This episode is brought to you by State Farm. If you're a small business owner, you know that it isn't just your business, it's your life. And whatever your business might be, you want someone who understands. That's why you might want to check out State Farm Small Business Insurance. Why? Because State Farm agents are small business owners too, living and working in your community. That means they know what it takes to help you personalize your policies for your small business needs. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Talk to your local agent today. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Welcome to the PropG Pod's Office Hours. This is the part of the show where we answer your questions about business, big tech, entrepreneurship, and whatever else is on your mind. Did I mention I'm taking August off? Why? Because I am running out of fucking time. Literally, the Grim Reaper is like hanging around my house a lot, and I want to enjoy myself. I want to do nothing. By the way, doing nothing is fine as long as it's planned. Anyways, I'm on vacation, so today we're sharing more of our favorite questions from past episodes. If you'd like to submit a question for when we get back, please visit officehours.propgmedia.com. Again, that's officehours.propgmedia.com. First question. Hi, Scott. Tim here from Merced, California, gateway to Yosemite and home to the newest UC campus. As I was out shopping the other day, I came across, of all things, an Amazon bookstore. After I got over my shock and horror that the company that almost single-handedly ruined the independent bookstore industry... I noticed its proximity to an Apple store. Tesla was across the street. Cartier was around the corner. I realized this outlet was simply there to give Amazon a more luxury feel than they have with just their internet presence. Thoughts? Uh, Tim from Merced. Thanks for the thoughtful commentary. UC Merced, I think University of California is one of the greatest public institutions in the world. I'm here speaking to you because of the generosity uh, and vision of California taxpayers and the Regents of the University of California. And UC Merced is where Michelle Obama decided to give the commencement address, which I thought was such a smart move. Anyways, I'd like to see another half a dozen uh, UC campuses that serve as um, a place where you finish the last two years for our incredible Cal State system that educates a half a million people every year versus like the 60,000 the entire Ivy League. What's more important to America? Yeah, that's right, Cal State. Anyway, anyway, love UC. Okay, so what you are highlighting is a key component of brand and brand strategy and something we review in painful detail in my brand strategy sprint at section four. And that is, if you think about brand as a series of touch points between or interactions between the stakeholder, whether it's a client, a business, or the end consumer, and the core brand or the offering. There's pre-purchase, so think of traditional advertising or public relations or sampling. And then there is purchase and that is distribution where you actually go into the dealership to buy the car, go into the store, go into the gap. And then there's post-purchase, what happens after you've consummated the relationship and purchased the product, whether it's warranties, whether it's a loyalty program, 
whether it's customer service. And the question is looking at all three of these areas, pre-purchase and post-purchase and saying, where do I get a greater ROI? And where you've seen a lot of brands decide they would get greater ROI is if they shifted resources out of pre-purchase advertising into purchase. Probably one of the most accretive business moves in history was Apple's gangster decision in 2002 when everyone was getting out of stores because e-commerce was going to eat the world, supposedly. It was Steve Jobs' decision to take $7 billion out of broadcast advertising and allocate it towards 550 leases, temples to the brand called Apple Stores. And I believe that Apple's core asset is its brand that results in the greatest margins in history. The iPhone is a car that has production uh, volumes of Toyota with margins of Ferrari. We've never seen that before. But it's because it's wrapped around this brand that says you're a storyteller, you're smart, that people should consider uh, mating with you because you have an iPhone and iOS is essentially the billion wealthiest people in the world. And what has been the gangster move around the brand? Yeah, it's been elegant products. Yeah, it's been a fantastic spokesperson, both in Steve Jobs and Tim Cook. But I think more than anything, it's been distribution that really enhances the brand. Think about where you buy your Android phone. It's usually an AT&T or Verizon store with, from a guy named you know, Jim that's with bad lighting and bad carpeting. And when you go into an Apple store and you think, God, I'd like to hang out here forever. So distribution is hugely important. Luxury was the first one to really go all in on distribution. LVMH decided to kind of exit Nordstrom, exit Saks, exit Neiman Marcus, and spend billions to open 750 of their own vertical stores. Uh, Richemont, another luxury player, said, no, we're not going to distribute our watches through other high-end mom-and-pop jewelry stores. We're going to open Panerai stores. We're going to open Van Cleef and Arpel stores because the distribution is where there was an underinvestment, an opportunity to go vertical. What is the biggest gangster move of Nike over the last 10 years? Simple. They've gone from about 5 or 10% direct-to-consumer to 30 or 40%. Because they realize being in a store with a guy dressed up as a referee holding one Adidas shoe and one Nike shoe is not great for the Nike brand. Whereas you go into a Nike store and you think, wow, this is an incredible branded experience. Uh, in some, Tim Fermer said, you're talking about brand building pre-purchase and post-purchase. You're talking about distribution. It's been a fantastic form of investment for some of the biggest players. Yes, Tesla uh, does not spend any money on advertising. They do spend money on stores, taking stores into malls where they get foot traffic. It's like a giant 3D billboard. Apple has taught us all. Uh, the distribution is a key component of driving brand value led by the original innovators, the original gangsters in distribution, and that is luxury. And we're going to see more of it. There's going to be fewer stores. There are going to be fewer self-supporting stores, but there'll be more aspirational brands uh, doing revenue, uh, share of revenue deals with the top the top malls uh, in America. Uh, interesting viewpoint. Thank you, Tim, from Merced. Next question. Hey, Professor Galloway. My name is Jonathan from Redmond, Washington, and I have a question about college brand recognition. You recently talked a lot about the power of brand recognition that colleges have and how NYU, UC Berkeley, and your alma mater, UCLA, have gained greater recognition by increasing selectivity while accepting more Pell Grant applicants. As an undergraduate student at UC Davis, whose school just broke into the top 20 universities rated by Forbes, while accepting a student class that is made up of 32% of students receiving federal scholarships, what else should a school like UC Davis do to increase their brand recognition without drastically decreasing selectivity? Thank you for your time, and I want to say your podcast and the one you share with Kara Swisher has educated me and kept me hopeful this last year and a half. Thank you. Jonathan, that is so nice. And thank you for the nice words. If you uh, DM me on Twitter and give me your address, I'll send you some signed books. I'm just, thank you for saying that. That makes me feel nice. 
the downside, you know, I, I get pissed off when people say mean things about me. Uh, I'd like to think it just rolls right off of me. But the upside to that is it does, it is meaningful when people say nice things about me. So uh, DM me and I'll send you some signed books. Um, so look, there, what you're referring to is there's a tectonic shift, I think, underway in the world of graduate education as it relates to brand equity. And simply put, the primary pulse, the primary signal, it's like take the Academy Awards times 10, take the Pro Bowl list, take the MVP, whatever award or third-party accreditation or third-party certification that different leagues give people or different organizations give people. If you're a journalist and you've won three Pulitzers, you can pretty much get a job anywhere because you've been certified by a third party. Take any of these times 10, and now you're talking about the business school rankings, kind of pioneered by Business Week. And they've ended up being terrible for graduate education. Why? Because they included in their rankings an input around exclusivity. And that is the way to get up in the rankings. And everybody studies to the test. Now, why does everybody study to the test? Why are these rankings so powerful? Because young people are very brand sensitive. To ask a 17-year-old to decide between Michigan, the University of Wisconsin, and Georgia Tech, and uh, Boston College, he or she doesn't know what the fuck they want. So people defer to the prestige of the ranking. And unfortunately, so do corporations. We always say that the student is the consumer. No, they're not. The students are the products of higher ed. Our consumer are corporations. And when corporations show up to an increasingly elite, tighter band of universities based on their brand equity, because they think that's the way to select. They only recruit. Someone brought up UCLA uh, or Morgan Stanley. I was the first analyst uh, and the only analyst in my class at Morgan Stanley from UCLA. Solomon Brothers recruited at UCLA. But when I got into Morgan Stanley, uh, they were only recruiting at Stanford and Berkeley. They hadn't started recruiting at UCLA yet because they saw UCLA is outside of like the top 10 or top 20 universities. Anyways, The brand equity is so important and powerful because brand is a shorthand for diligence. And when you don't have the skills to do the diligence, i.e. you're 18 or your parents, you just defer to what is the most prestigious brand. And you know that the chances of you getting more job opportunities because more and more firms, the better firms recruit at the top tier schools, you think, great. And then the ranking is so important. And then unfortunately, the ranking in large part is dependent upon exclusivity. Long-winded way of saying We lost the script and we turned into luxury brands. And the thing I don't agree about the premise in your question is the way UC Davis and the way that Regents of the University of California can dramatically improve is to dramatically expand their admissions rates. So when I went to school, UC Davis was still a great school, but I I bet its admissions rate was 50, 60%. Now I bet it's closer to 10 or 15. UC Davis is impossible to get into. It is, you have to be freakishly remarkable to get into UC Davis right now. I don't think that's a good thing. I don't think being freakishly remarkable is a forward-looking indicator of your citizenship or your success at the age of 17. Yeah, you have to be good. There is a correlation between how impressive you are as a young man or woman. But in terms of a forward-looking indicator, it begins to flatten. It's like happiness and money. There is a correlation. Middle-class people are happier than lower-income people. Wealthy people are happier than middle-class people. But once you get above a certain amount of money, there's no correlation. I think the same is true of young people. People are in the top half, top third of their high school class that have demonstrated excellence, rigor, discipline. They are more likely to be successful in life, professionally and personally. But the difference between the person that's in the 80th percentile in your school at that point 
And the person who's in the 98th, based on the metrics we've established for 17-year-olds, there isn't a lot of correlation there between people who go on to be successful, very successful, and not successful. So we need to move back to letting in a lot more kids. It just, it just disappoints me that when I go to these conferences, we celebrate companies that are able to scale at 40 or 60% a year, and yet we haven't been able to scale UC Davis 2% a year. So only the freakishly remarkable get in. So we want better brands, better society, better opportunities, more on-ramps to great, great lifestyles. We want to be able to fill these amazing jobs with amazing applicants for which there are as a shortage of employees or shortage of applicants. We need to dramatically expand the admissions rate and the capacity. And this is exciting. The University of California has decided to do this. They've committed to adding 20,000 freshman seats over the next 10 years, which is like, I believe, adding another UC Davis. But my brother, your brand is fine. UC Davis and the University of California, the fact that you got into UC Davis, quite frankly, Jonathan, means you're an impressive young man. There's just full stop, you're an impressive young man. We need to let in more impressive young men and women. And maybe people who are in the 90th percentile um, in their class, not the 99th. That's okay. The difference between 90 and 99, we don't know which of those two is going to go on to be a senator or build wells in Africa or come up with the next patent for a vaccine. We don't know that. Anyways, your brand is on fire. We need to transition some of that incredible aspirational brand equity into not only prosperity, but progress from a societal viewpoint and let in more kids. Anyways, uh, thanks for the question, Jonathan from Wedman, Washington, and congratulations on being at Davis. Good to be Jonathan. Good to be Jonathan. Davis. Davis. We have one quick break before our final question. Stay with us. Support for this podcast comes from Grammarly. Writing is something that we do every single day. From an informal text conversation with friends to sending those all-important email to clients, people need to understand what you are trying to say. Thankfully, Grammarly is a trusted AI writing partner that saves your company from miscommunication and all the waste of time and money that goes with it. Grammarly is more than just a grammar check. It can help generate AI prompts or even help you strike the right tone and personalize your writing based on audience and context. We here at the PropG team use Grammarly, and all I have to say is it makes our written work better. Plus, Grammarly integrates seamlessly across 500,000 apps and websites. No cutting, no pasting, no context switching. Personalized on-brand writing help is built into your docs, messages, emails, everything. So why not join Grammarly to work faster, hit your goals while keeping your data secure? Learn more at Grammarly.com. Vacations can be tricky. You already know how to book flights and hotels, but now the only thing you're missing is, you know, the actual travel experience. Because is it really a vacation if you're just sitting around like you would at home? You need a tool to get the most out of your time away. That's where Viator steps in. You can book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who already been on the experiences you're considering, so you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. 
Welcome back. Question number three. Hi, Prof G. My name is Ben from Oakland, California, right across the bay from your favorite city, San Francisco. My question focuses on something that you talk very honestly about, and that is fatherhood. My wife and I are expecting our first child next month. We're both very excited and slightly terrified, and we're looking forward to our new titles of parents. My question is, is if you could do it all over again from the beginning, what would you do differently in regards to raising children? And what would you double down on? Thank you for taking the question. And most importantly, go Bears. <laughs> That's right. Go Bears. Oakland, California. I live in Rockridge, a wonderful place um, in Oakland. First off, congratulations. Um, one thing I would not do is ever be in the delivery room again. I found it so disturbing. Uh, they were much more worried about me. I had to sit down. I was so nauseous. I don't I don't buy this notion that men should be in the delivery room, and I know that sounds very 60s, but whatever. Sue me. Um, look, uh, a couple of things you're going to feel, uh, or things I felt. I was totally freaked out with my first kid. I was worried I didn't have enough money. Um, I had not been especially good at relationships, and I was worried that, I, you know, yeah, now if I fuck up this relationship with this partner, it's going to have more impact. Um, the whole thing kind of freaked me out. I think that was somewhat natural. I was also very excited. I did not love this thing when it came out. People talk about you're just instantly in love with it. I fell in love with my boys over time, but I, it just looked like a science experiment to me. So I think, and, and maybe, I don't know, I, maybe I'm just weird or fucked up in the head, but if you feel those things, know that other people feel them as well. Fear, anxiety, uh, I would say initially uh, what I would do uh, that I, uh, well, I did do and I think was smart, I think you're there to be very supportive of your wife. Uh, I think you have responsibility for the economics uh, of the household because I think generally speaking, women at least uh, in, early in the child's life are more important to the kid. You're mostly useless and we pretend that it's a ton of fun the first year. It's not. Uh, and the dad doesn't play a huge role. Uh, I think your role is to be supportive of your of your wife and do the night feedings. Uh, make sure that your wife gets some sleep uh, and recognize that having kids is really hard and stressful, especially um, initially. Uh, it sounds it's easy to say for me, but if you have the flexibility and the economics, I would have a second one sooner rather than later. I find having two is uh, three or four times better than one. I think just having one it creates too much pressure or tension on that one child. I was an only child. And I think that person most likely grows up a little bit more selfish. I think the negotiation and the arguments and the tension and the joy that two kids bring to a household is really uh, wonderful. So I'm really glad I did too. Uh, but, uh, you know, just recognize uh, there is an arc to happiness. And across almost every socioeconomic group and every culture and every geographic boundary, Happiness looks like a smile, and that is up until this point, your life was mostly about Star Wars and football games and getting drunk with buddies. Uh, and then uh, you get dramatically less happy because kids and uh, your career are stressful. Uh, you realize that you're not going to be senator or have a fragrance named after you. And uh, generally speaking, people are the least happy from kind of the ages of 25 to 45. So if you feel stressed out and a little bit unhappy, uh, that's okay. That's part of it. Uh, but look, it's 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 impossible to explain until it happens. But you do fall in love with this thing. I am the only thing in my life that's more important to me than me, because I'm a very selfish person. Are my kids, and it's also hands down the most rewarding thing. Uh, it's also wonderful that you're having kids. I think it's great that people 
you know, having a kid is kind of the ultimate expression of optimism and a commitment to your partner because whether you like it or not, you're in each other's lives for 18 years. And the, you know, and there's some truth to the fact that the best, the best thing you can do for your kids is to be a very generous, loving person to your partner because uh, they'll see that and it creates a harmonious lifestyle. Ben from Oakland, congratulations to you uh, and your partner. That's all for this episode. Again, if you'd like to submit a question, please submit a voice recording by visiting officehours.propgmedia.com. Our producers are Caroline Shagrin and Drew Burrows. Claire Miller is our associate producer. If you like what you heard, please follow, download, and subscribe. Thank you for listening to Prop G Pod from the Vox Media Podcast Network. We will catch you on Thursday. A quick reminder before we sign off, my new book, Adrift, America in 100 Charts, is now available for pre-order on Amazon. Uh, please pre-order it. Pre-ordering is super important in terms of building momentum. Uh, the team, we put a ton of work into this. I think you'll enjoy it. It's an attempt to sort of distill down the macro and microeconomic trends, societal trends uh, that make up the fabric that is America, including some suggestions on how we become more moored to each other, connected, um, and how this great American experiment continues to be the best experiment in the history of mankind. Anyways, Daddy wants a bestseller. Pre-order now. Welcome to the Canva guided meditation for stress at work. Impending deadline? Generate Canva presentations in seconds. So fast. Brainstorm got too big? Summarize with AI in a click. click, 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 click. Writer's block? Release with Canva Magic Write. Magical. Stress less and save time at canva.com. Designed for work.